From the Medical Republic, I'm Francine Crimmins. This is The Tea Room. Aged care has been getting a lot of media attention lately. Firstly, after the deeply concerning fines in the Royal Commission, and then after the $18 billion government spending package in the recent budget to try and fix some of the major problems in the sector. But what if we could reinvent the entire experience for people going into care? This episode, we look at a new model of aged care, one that refuses to use the word facility. It's a microtown. It's called New Direction Care. It's an aged care village in Belmere, wedged between Brisbane and the Sunshine Coast. And to tell us more about this innovative model of care is Natasha Chadwick, founder and CEO of the project. Natasha, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Thank you, Francine. Looking forward to it. So to start with, if we look back to budget night, the government unveiled almost $18 billion of spending in aged care over the next five years. Working in this space, do you feel that this was an adequate response to the findings that came out of the Royal Commission into the sector? Look, it's um, it's certainly a lot of money and it certainly sounds like a lot of money. So, you know, the, the good thing is that they've at least responded and certainly also responded to, I think, 126 of the 148 recommendations made by the Royal Commission. The the issue is that even the Royal Commission said that it would take a lot more than you know, $18 billion to see the transformational change that we need to see in the aged care space. And so on one hand, yes, I'm pleased, uh, particularly because it will finally, there's, there was finally some, some funding for residential aged care, which has missed out for many years. And in fact, in almost every budget, you know, we've had money taken off us in the residential care space to to the extent we're about, I think it's uh, almost 60% of residential aged care communities at the moment are operating in the red, which is just unsustainable for any industry. So, So, you know, to see some money come into that industry, which will help them get back operating into the black and and, uh, providing better care is great, but I think there's still quite a way to go. So, Natasha, could you tell us a little bit about New Direction Care and what makes it so different as an aged care option? New Direction Care is regarded as the world first. It's, uh, the reason for that is because it's a, it's a micro town. So uh, we have developed a, a little town, if you like, it looks just like any suburb. It's got um, 17 houses and each of those houses are a mini care home. They accommodate uh, only seven people living together instead of, you know, that institutional environment where there might be 120 people living under one roof, which is what happens in traditional aged care. So we also have all the supports and services that a town needs. So, you know, it looks like walking through your suburb, there's streets, you know, on every street, there's a house um, or a number of houses. Each of those houses has got a, you know, front porch, it's got a backyard it's got its own you know fencing it really is you know just a a home just like yours and mine you walk in the front door there's a lounge there's a dining room uh you know there's there's the kitchen which everything that happens in in our homes in the community happens in that home so the residents who live in that house all have uh, the same values 
They all eat similarly. So the menus and and the food that's produced in that home is specifically for the people that live there. And the people that live in that house might be different than the uh, people who live next door and uh, their menu and diet and and the things that they do every day will um, distinguish the, the two of them. So it's it's very much, as I said, uh, you know, a, a normal life, a community life. Uh, you're moving from your home in the external community, the greater community, into the, the micro town. And, you know, the biggest difference is that you're living with uh, six other people rather than being on your own at home or, or being one of a, a couple or a family. But it's a lot less confronting than moving into institutional care where you might be living with 100 people under one roof. And I imagine that their families can come and visit them in these homes as well? Yeah, look, the families are really a, a huge part of our community. Uh, when we talk about our community, it is the extension of families, friends, you know, anyone who, who comes to see residents and also anyone who wants to come in and use our services. We have a wellness centre with a big spa and, you know, we've got GP rooms. We've also got a dental clinic. We've got a, a shop, a corner store. We've got a cinema, you know, a big cafe and people from the external community come in to use those services as well as the people that live in the micro town and their family and friends. And, you know, one of the things that's fantastic to see is on a sunny day, uh, you know, families bringing in eskies and all the the makings to have a barbecue and they go to, you know, one of the picnic areas and set up for a barbecue. And it's just, you know, like I said, them being able to to visit with their family member and live as you normally would in, in any community. So some of those services that you just spoke about and the community coming in, does that mean that there's a, say, a GP clinic set up that happens to be on the property of New Direction Care but that that is open for a patient list that extends beyond and people can just come in and use their services or how does that work? So when we first opened, that was how it worked. But due to COVID, we've had to make some changes because there's uh, a lot of requirements now on residential care communities because you know we do care for very vulnerable people. And so the GP clinic now is pretty much internally for the residents. But the, instead of you know, in, in traditional aged care in an institutional environment, a GP comes in and they do their rounds. You know, they'll walk to the people's rooms, they'll go into the, that person's bedroom and that's where they'll, you know, provide the, the support. In our community, our residents' rooms are private, just like, you know, my, my room at home is private. And so instead they're encouraged to come up to the wellness centre to attend the GP clinic and the GP is in that area and has their appointments set for the day just like they normally would. So we've seen communities like this in places like the Netherlands, which have long combined, you know, university accommodation with aged care. But how did this all begin in Australia? So for us, it's quite a personal story in that, and before I go into it, the first thing I want to say is that my mum is actually, you know, still living at home and, and, and doing really, really well. But about 10 years ago, Mum was was retiring. Um, she was seventy at the time, and I was uh, becoming concerned about our discussions. They were repetitious. You know, she was talking about the same things, and so I started to actually, uh, you know, really think about what would I do if Mum needed aged care, and 
it was pretty confronting to realise that, you know, I actually didn't want mum to go into any of the residential aged care services that I knew of. And, and, you know, I work across the industry and in every state. So, you know, have a pretty good idea of what's out there. So as you can imagine, that was that was really confronting. You know, I didn't even want her to go into the facilities that or traditional aged care facilities that I was managing at the time. So I realised that things had to change. You know, if, if I didn't want that for someone that I loved, why was it okay for us to provide that service to other people for the people that they loved? So it set us on a, a journey. I, I travelled overseas. I went and saw, you know, I went through the Netherlands and I actually um, went to De Hogeve, which is the, you know, the dementia village, if you like, concept. And also went into America, went, you know, to, to different locations and looked at all of the innovations and you know the, the, the places that were working really well and that where residents were living more of a normal life. Then I came back home and, and pretty much started to design and develop up our microtown concept, which is quite different from the Dementia Village concept because it is fully inclusive. And I think that's a really important point to make. Our residents, we could have someone who is living with younger onset dementia uh, who's, you know, in their early 60s or late 50s, living next door to someone who is fully cognitively aware but they've had a stroke and they require, you know, support and services. So, you know, it's very inclusive. That person could be living next to someone who is actually transgender, uh, you know, it, it or from a different cultural background. So that's the biggest difference that we talk about with our community as opposed to a dementia village, which is actually an exclusive um, community where it only caters for people who have a particular diagnosis. And for the residents day to day, what's it like living in the facility? So um, we talk about it as a micro town. We try not to talk about facilities because aged care facilities to me are very institutional um, environments. What's it like? It's, uh, you know, you wake up in, in your own home at your own time uh, rather than having someone come in to wake you up. Uh, to, to get to a breakfast um, room or to, to a dining room to have breakfast. So our residents are waking up when they're ready. They're having whatever it is that they would like for breakfast and they're supported to do that. Either someone makes it for them or they're helping make it for themselves so that they continue to live that normal life. Uh, they're then, you know, having a shower or, or looking after their hygiene needs when they're choosing to, not because they're on a shower list, which is what happens again in traditional um, aged care communities. So, uh, you know, they might then be going for a walk up to the cafe where they can sit down and, you know, grab a coffee or a piece of cake or do whatever it is that they would like to do. They might pop into the wellness centre and have a gym session or, or um, some massage. Uh, you know, they might go for a walk around the community or they might choose that they would actually like to go for a walk externally to the community and then we need to make sure that we have someone to go with them, particularly if they're living with a cognitive impairment. So, you know, it's about choices. They're actually having choices and making decisions about how they want to live their life and how they want that day to be for them. I mean, this sounds fantastic. I hopefully am a long way from, you know, at the point where I need to go into care, but <laughs> if I had to, this would be the ultimate situation, I think. But I have to ask, how is it funded and how does that look for residents? 
Sure, it's it's always the big question on everyone's lips and, and it doesn't seem to matter what I say, people still think it's going to be more expensive. The, the, the truth of the matter is that we are... Um, governed by the Aged Care Act, just like every other aged care community. We are funded the same way. It's just that we have developed our model into such a way that uh, we don't have people doing delineated tasks. You know, so we don't have a cook, we don't have a cleaner, we don't have, uh, you know, only nurses and, and things like that. All of our team members, particularly the people who work in the houses with residents, they're a multidisciplined um, workforce. And so uh, we call them house companions. That's a um, trademarked position. And, you know, they're, they're cooking with residents, they're menu planning, they're, they're, they're trained in nutrition and diet, dietetics, um, you know, they're trained in uh, medication administration, they're trained in dementia care, they're trained in recognising and responding to um, deterioration in, in a person, in palliative care. Yeah, they're, they're, they're very different from the traditional aged care workforce, if you like, and worker. And so because of that, and uh, because we're not task focused and, and role delineated, we have the same numbers of staff that traditional aged care have. And therefore, it's not really, you know, any more expensive to operate, but we just use them in a different way. And, and to the capital costs as well to, to build our community, which is, you know, 17 individual houses, 17 kitchens, you know, all of those kinds of things. The, the costs were actually very much in line with uh, what it costs to, to build a traditional aged care community today. So from our perspective, it makes no sense to continue to build traditional aged care. It really is incumbent on everyone who's in uh, an operator in aged care to start looking at a smaller scale environment. And GPs and nurses would probably want to know how the integration of services into one place is beneficial to the residents. But more importantly, I was wondering how you might be measuring the outcomes at New Direction Care compared to traditional residential aged care facilities. Look, we are measuring the outcomes that we can. One of the, the most difficult things, and, and certainly the Royal Commission uh, identified this as well, is that in aged care, there's not a lot of transparency between aged care communities around their uh, outcomes and uh you know, data, if you like. And so it's not always easy to measure yourself against other aged care communities. But there are some things that we do know we do incredibly well. One of them is we have less hospital admissions. And that's because we have a very professional workforce as well. So I talked about our house companions, but you know, we have not just our GP clinics, we have a, a wellness team that includes, you know, occupational therapists that specialise in um, dementia care, mental health, movement and, and so forth and, you know, generally just occupational therapy. We have physiotherapists, we have, you know, exercise physiologists, we have uh, registered nurses who all take on a portfolio so they'll specialise in wound management or 
uh, palliative care or dementia care or, you know, um, nutrition. So we have a team that is 24-7 that's able to support that community to continue to live their normal life. And by doing that, it means that we see much less um, hospital admission. As I said, uh, about 98% of our residents live and die with us. They choose to come home if they have been transferred to hospital and it's their end of life or they stay with us um, because they want to stay at home and, and, and be palliated and end of life with them, with the people around them that they know and trust. Uh, we have no physical or chemical restraints. And I think in aged care, that is a goal that every aged care community should be aiming for. And we also have uh, significantly less falls with our residents, even though 80% of our residents are regarded as high risk for a fall only 18% of our total residents actually do have falls. And so we're seeing some significant benefits, if you like, to the people that are coming to live at New Direction Care at Bellmere. And you know, one of the things that I'm particularly proud of is our wellness team and our clinical team together, you know, that we have about 40% of our residents who are identified as high risk for a pressure area. And, you know, everyone knows what that can do to, to a person's life. And currently we have nil, no pressure injuries at all in our community and we haven't had for some time. What do you think has to happen to make the traditional aged care sector reflect a more new age system where they treat their residents like people with autonomy in in the way that you have described through your own project? Well, I think boards and CEOs and, uh, you know, the people that are actually providing um, services to people have got to start seeing them as individuals that have had a, you know, successful life or a life um, and that that life should be maintained and continued. I think that it's important that we start seeing the people that we are providing care and services to as, you know, we, we do our own uh, loved ones. If that was somebody that you loved, is is this what you would want for them? Be honest about it because many people in our industry say, yes, we provide great care and I'm sure they do, but it's not just about the care. Is this the life that you would want for yourself or someone that you you love. And if you can't say yes, honestly, then you need to start looking at making some changes. Natasha Chadwick, thank you for your time. Thank you, Francine. Before we go, don't forget that you can follow or subscribe to The Tea Room right now by searching for the show on the podcast player of your choice. You'll then be notified when a new episode becomes available. Catch you next time.